0: I can't say enough, you know. I can't say enough for how awesome they are. You guys know it. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to open them up. We're going to go to two portions of Scripture to begin with. And then we're going to kind of see what the Lord has in store. Amen. 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 As you're gonna, we're going to start in the book of Galatians. Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, and then we'll be going backwards into the Old Testament. We're going to read 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4, amen. As you're turning there, I just wanted to say one more time how excited I am about the direction of this church, amen. I am, ex- I am so excited about where we're heading. Amen. It's it's good to be in a place of vision, right? To know where you're going, to see where you're going, right? The, the map has been laid out. Amen. The map quest is, is telling us which way to go. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is leading us to such a powerful, powerful place. Amen. And it's such a, it's such a blessing and an honor to be a part of something like this. Amen. But how many knows that What God is doing in this church is meant for so much more than just the people inside this church. Amen. If you look to your left or to your right, I'm sure there's somebody that should be sitting next to you tonight. Amen. If you were to look across the room, there's a family that you remember used to sit there, and they might not be here right now. Amen. But where we're going is such a powerful place, and I believe that the church has the ability to make sure that those people hear and receive an opportunity to come back. Amen. We don't, we don't control whether or not they come, right? We only can control whether or not we talk to them about coming. Amen. We can only control whether or not we allow the Holy Ghost to work through us when we speak to them. But if they're going to come, that's on them, right? We can't beat ourselves up over that. But amen. 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 I, got to, I feel like everybody's nervous right there. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Don't get nervous. All right? Praise God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life. Everlasting. Let us not be weary. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't get tired. Don't be weary. Do not be weary in well doing. Why? For in due season we shall reap. Due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. Amen. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Don't get exhausted, don't get worn out. Amen. We're going to skip back to verse Kings now. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 4 talking about Elijah now. It says but he himself went a days journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. He said, it is enough. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm weary. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. Amen. Would you Put your Bibles down, lift your hands one more time, we're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you for this service, O God. I hope and I pray right now, God, that you would work through me, Lord. Allow me to be a blessing to somebody, O Lord. Let me declare your word as you've laid it upon my heart, Lord. I submit to your word. I submit to your authority. I submit to all that you are, O God. I submit to your blood, O Lord. I say yes to your will. I say yes to your direction, O God. Lead us and guide us. Make sure our hearts are open and ready to receive, Lord. And we are quick to give you the praise. We are quick to give you the praise. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. So tonight I'm going to preach from a simple thought. I apologize, it's probably not going to be too deep, but I told my wife I'm a simple man, and she laughed at me. (laughs) I must be more complex than I know, (laughs) at least as a husband, praise God. Tonight, my title is this, don't let Ahab become your Moby Dick. Amen. That will stick with you, right? (laughs) Don't let Ahab become your Moby Dick. Amen. What do I mean by that? In the 19th century, literary classic, titled Moby Dick, was written by a man named Herman Melville. The book tells the story of a captain named Ahab, and it it, it details his obsession with Moby Dick. Moby Dick was a sperm whale, and, and and, and Captain Ahab was just bound up with this desire to catch this one whale. I, he had to catch this Moby Dick. No matter what he went through, Moby was the one that he was after. And the story is told through the eyes of a man named Ishmael who, who works on the on the boat with them. And he's a firsthand witness to the destruction and the despair that comes through Captain Ahab's obsession with this whale. There was they were out working and they were a whaler in boat, and they would catch this whale. And but that wasn't good enough. They would see another whale over here. But that wasn't good enough. It was enough to provide. It was enough to do this. It was enough to do that. But that wasn't the whale that he wanted. He would go after this one, and, 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 and they would harpoon it. And he would, is that the one? No, it's not. It's not Moby Dick. And he was just obsessed with this one whale. He, he was just bound up that he could never feel joy over the other ones. He could never feel happiness over that one. He could never feel anything else but despair because it wasn't the one. Amen. He would come up against other whaling captains and he'd say, Sister Candy, have you heard about this Moby Dick? No? Okay. I don't want to talk to you. And he would just keep moving. Keep moving. Brother Tim, have you heard about this Moby Dick? Have you seen this Moby Dick? No? All right, I got to find somebody else. Brother Christopher, you found this Moby Dick, and then one, one, once in a while, he'd catch somebody and say, "Yeah, I seen him. He was over there." And all of a sudden, he'd start to listen. He listened very intently. Well, what, what, where was he? What was the skies like? Was there birds around? What was the waves like? What was the weather? Which way was the wind blowing? And he was so consumed by where Moby Dick would be that he would only listen intently if it was involving his Moby Dick. Amen. Amen. The story ends with him finding his, his whale. And they set up this epic battle between the two. And he's got his boat. And he's got his men on his boat. And there's Moby Dick rising up out of the water. And you just they've got these harpoons that they carry on the boat. And they're all tied off to ropes inside the boat. And they all throw and them. And they hook this whale. And then they, they tie off onto the boat. And, there, and, and Ahab would tie his life at that moment to his obsession. Careful what you tie yourself, yourself to. Be careful what you allow to be tied up into your life. Be careful what things you entertain. Amen. And so Ahab has this, this whale hooked. And he seemingly thinks he has him. I've got him in my hands now. But the whale starts swimming this way and swimming that way. And what happens is the lines become getting crossed. And the lines become blurred between the whale and the ship and what's hooked here and what's hooked there. And eventually it becomes his demise. The whale comes up, crashes down on the boat, killing everybody except for Ishmael who tells the story. And this Ahab was so intent, so blinded by his obsession with this one whale that it eventually would cost him his life. Amen. We go from that Ahab to another Ahab, as we turn back into our Bibles, First Kings chapter sixteen now, and we're introduced to a king named Ahab. First Kings chapter sixteen, verse twenty-nine. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. He was a wicked dude. He, he was worse than all the kings that came before him. They talk about the sins of Jeroboam. And there's this, if it was a light thing to walk in that, if you have to study that one out, but Jeroboam would kind of set up two different worship places. He stopped people from coming to the center to worship, and he made them worship on the outsides. It's a different message for a different time, but he was worse than that, and he, he tore down the altars to Jehovah. He tore down the altars to the God Almighty, and instead, he built up altars to this false god named Baal. He built groves for this Baal. He married Jezebel, who was the, the influencer and the one that brought in this Baal into the nation of Israel. He was wicked. He was wicked. He was wicked. Jehovah or Yahweh was no longer worshiped, but they started to worship this Baal instead. But God in his manifold mercy, God in his abundant love, God in his abundant goodness, amen, sent a man into his life. God sent him a prophet, a man of God, a voice of the Lord, and he sent it to Ahab. How many knows that God is not willing that anybody should perish? You could be the most wicked person in the world, and it doesn't matter in God's eyes, he still died for them. Come on, your, your, your neighbor could be the worst person in the world in your view. God still died for them. He still poured out his blood for that person. That person that just irritates you to no end. He still died. For that person. His grace is still for that person. His mercy is still for your coworker, your boss, your family member. Thank you. Amen. His mercy is still available for every single person as we walk upon this earth. Everybody you encounter, God died for. Every single person that you meet, God has mercy for. Come on, we're talking about King Ahab, one of the worst sinners that we read up to in this point. Worse than all the ones before him, God sent him mercy. God sent him a voice. God sent him a prophet. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter how, how far away we might think somebody is. There is no such thing as a lost cause. Amen. And so don't, don't allow your vision of somebody to deter you from being the one to bring them the mercy and the love of God. Come on, we, we walk in power, we walk in authority, right. Freely you have received, freely you give, amen. I have received so much mercy and grace from God that I need to share it with somebody else. I'm the only one. Okay, I'll try this side of the room. I have received so much mercy, so much love, so much grace from God almighty that who am I to keep this to myself? Who am I to hold this to myself? Because I've prejudged the water. Amen. Amen. But God loved Ahab so much that he sent him a man named Elijah. Amen. First Kings 18 and 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go, show yourself unto Ahab. There it is. The Lord sent him unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. We're going to skip down to verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said, are you he that troubleth Israel? Israel was facing a famine, a drought. There was no rain. And and, and Elijah proclaimed it to Ahab previously. And he says, aren't you the one that's causing all these problems around here? And Ahab says... I'm sorry, Elijah says, I have not troubled Israel, but you. I haven't troubled Israel. I've come to, to you. I've come to your father's house. Because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed after false gods. Amen. God loved him so much that he sent Elijah to him. God loved him so much that he sent Elijah directly to him. He didn't send Elijah to Israel. He sent Elijah to the house of Of Ahab. Amen. He looked at Ahab, the Lord looked upon Ahab, saw his wickedness, saw all this this junk that this guy was doing, allowing this Jezebel to come in and just implement all this false worship and this false doctrine. And God looked at Ahab and said, I still love him enough that I'm going to send him a voice. I'm going to send him a voice. I'm going to send him a prophet, a man of God, a woman of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This isn't reserved just for Elijah. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the voice of God that can speak through you just like Elijah did. Come on. I know evangelism is our favorite topic around here, but come on. Help me out a little bit. Amen. We got the Holy Ghost. We have everything that is needed to reach the Ahab in our life. We have everything that's needed to reach the most wicked sinners in our lives. Amen. And see, verse 18 gives us the insight that we, we don't really get before this. You just, when you're reading this story, you don't really get it, but that verse 18 really brings it out where it says, I did not trouble Israel. The drought that we're facing isn't for Israel. It's for you, Ahab. And you're thinking, well, that seems like a bit much. <laughs> no rain. But God is good all the time. And in his goodness, he knew what it was going to take to shake up this King Ahab or shake him up to be able to hear from the voice of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, come on. You know, when you're trying to talk to somebody, if they're sitting on the mountaintop, they're not too, too uh, uh, quick to hear you. You know? But if you get somebody that's, that's hitting it the, in their valley, you know, they'll, they're they're more than happy to hear from the voice of the Lord. Amen. And it's not... Whatever it is, whatever you might be thinking, but it's just, that's where God responds. God responds to hurting people. God responds to brokenness. God responds to humility. Mm. Amen. And so Elijah's talking now to King Ahab. He's like, I didn't trouble Israel. I'm troubling you. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to shake you up. Elijah's whole ministry here is, is focused on Ahab. Elijah's whole uh, purpose here is to is to to win Ahab and he's trying to reach Ahab and he's praying for ahab and he's and he's talking to Ahab now and and he sets up this big encounter. He says, You know what? go gather up the prophets of Baal and meet me at Mount Carmel. you're probably familiar with that story i'm not going to go too much into it, but w- Mount Carmel is the place where they would set up these two altars, an altar here and an altar there and basically what elijah's would challenge was was we're going to pray, and, and the God that answers by fire, he's the God. And the people said, it sounds good to me. And so they set up this these two altars, and the 450 prophets of Baal are over there, and Elijah's laying down over here. And from morning until noon, these prophets are dancing and shouting and, and doing everything they can to get the attention of this dead God that they serve. And Elijah's taking a nap, and he wakes up, and he says, hey, Maybe your God's asleep. He start. I love Elijah. He, maybe, hey, maybe your God's talking to somebody. Shout a little louder. Maybe you got to get his attention. Maybe he's just a little bit busy right now. And then I, I just picture him like on a lounge chair, you know, got his feet up, maybe eating some grapes, and he's just watching this nonsense that's happening over here, right? These 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 goofballs, 450 of them, jumping up and down and. And trying to do everything they can to manufacture the presence of God? Mm, come on, you know, when you got the real thing, you ain't got to manufacture nothing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so they're, they're over there dancing and shouting and, and doing their thing, and it's noon now, and Elijah's like, hey, do some more, do extra. So now they get real extra, and they start cutting themselves, and they're splattering blood on the altar, and they're doing all this, this goofiness. And. <laughs> Kills me. Elijah waits until evening time. I mean, it was noon. So you figure at least five more hours these guys are cutting themselves and doing whatever they're doing. That's a big pile of grapes he was eating. Amen. Amen. So Elijah gets up at evening time after these guys are bold and doing all their stuff. And he wakes up. Elijah wakes up and just says, hey, you know what, Lord? He declares who God is. And he says, "Prove yourself." And so God does. He consumes the altar, He consumes the sacrifice. And the result was this: First Kings 18. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, "The Lord, He is the God." When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, "The Lord." He is God. He is God alone. There is only one God, and Jesus is His name. And they got on their faces and they began to worship this one God, this true God. And they started to just pour out in worship. And you could just see them all, all the people, it says, just on, their, on the ground, just weeping and crying because they realized the weight of their sin. But then they also could feel the mercy of God. And they're just pouring it out and saying, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Above all others. And they're worshiping and this it's revival is happening and this harvest is happening. Amen. And and, and and there's this excitement, right? Everybody's pumped up. Look at this one. There's seven, There's there's thousands of people laid out worshiping God. Many of us will go our entire lives and not see a service like that. Think about how powerful this service was. This wasn't just a a run-of-the-mill, whatever service. This was it, man. The Book of Acts. We get excited about three thousand. Book of Acts. We get excited about five thousand. Well, this was seven thousand. This was seven thousand. Hey, man. This. I mean, you're talking about a harvest. You're talking about revival. They're shouting, they're worshiping, the Lord, he is God. There is no other God. And they started to forsake these false gods that they were serving. And they helped to kill those prophets of Baal. And they started to tear down the things of Baal in their lives. They started to tear down the idols in their lives. And they turned to God Almighty. Amen. They turned to the one true God. And they took their eyes... Off these worthless idols. And they began to exalt and worship Jesus God Almighty. Amen. Amen. I long for a service like that. I would love to be a part of a service like that. I would. I desire strongly. (laughs) I was about to say something else. (laughs) I was like, no, that's a sin. (laughs) Got to be careful, though. The language we use. Amen. 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 But I would love to be a part of a service where 7,000 people would turn their lives over to God. 7,000 backsliders coming back to God. Come on, somebody. I was was looking in the uh, church office the other day. This has just popped up. I wasn't going to talk about it, but now I am. I was in the church office the other day, and I went into the safe, and I pulled out an envelope. And in that envelope was a pile of names. Some of you might remember. Some of you might not. It, Brother Hawks, I believe it was, preached a message, it shall be well. It shall be well. We came up and we wrote down the name of backsliders in our lives, loved ones in our lives. And we put them in a, in a thing and we put them in the safe. And we basically said we're trusting God with it. Amen. As I started to go through those names, some of them were already taken out. But I seen some new names that should have been taken out, and I just started just getting excited. Amen. And just imagine—I mean, that was only a—that uh, was like a handful, two handfuls, maybe three handfuls of people. Imagine 7,000 7, people coming back to the Lord in one service. Amen, man. My heart would be so stirred up. I would have faith forever. <laughs> You know, I get excited when one person gets baptized. Could you imagine we got 7,000 people getting the Holy Ghost, turning their lives over to God. I'd go nuts. I don't know. I would probably do a backflip. I'm not going to. I'd probably do a backflip. I'm just that goofy. But Elijah didn't. Elijah doesn't do a backflip here. As we read in in the beginning text, we find Elijah just after this sitting under a juniper tree. Wanting to die. He's depressed. He's wore out. He's weary. He's exhausted. He's tired. He says, Lord, I'm done. It's enough. I'm out of here. Take me, Lord. Take me out of here. He was done. How? 7,000 souls converted like that? Fire of God falling, consuming stuff? Everybody's rejoicing, but Elijah is hiding. Elijah is running. He's hiding. And I've preached this before, and many others have preached it too. But I, I preached that he was afraid of Jezebel. You know, I was like, you know, he, he did this powerful thing and he's had this awesome service, and then this one woman threatens him and he takes off running and hiding. But I looked in the scriptures a little bit deeper. And I don't believe he was running and hiding from Jezebel. Because the Bible says he ran for his life. He was running because he wanted to live. But now he ends up under this tree wanting to die. What happened? Why? You know, if if he really wanted to die, he could have just stayed by Jezebel. She was more than happy to fulfill his his desires. (laughs) Am I right? He was more, she was more than happy to fulfill that request. So if he was really suicidal, he could have just stayed there. But no, he ran off and he was he was depressed, he was sad, he was emotionally exhausted, spiritually exhausted. Why? Verse, uh, 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. He says, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life away. Why? Because I'm not better than my fathers. What does that mean? I'm not better than the prophets that came before me. You sent me to Ahab and I couldn't win them. You sent me to Ahab and I couldn't do anything in Ahab's life. Why? Because Ahab went back to Jezebel. And Ahab says, "Here, this is what Elijah did. Look what Elijah did. He says, Elijah killed the prophets. He didn't say he killed the false prophets. He said he killed the prophets. He didn't say, look what God did. He said, look what Elijah did. So all this impact, all this stuff that, that Elijah was doing was to reach Ahab, and Ahab could care less. Ahab could care less about what Elijah was doing and what the Lord was doing through Elijah in his life. And he was just rejecting every single time that Elijah would talk to Ahab, he would reject the Lord. And he would reject them. And he would reject them. And he would reject them. And Elijah gets to the point where he's so frustrated. He's just like, I'm done. And we get like that. Spiritually, not physically. I I don't think anybody in here is physically at this point, but spiritually. We get to this point where, Lord, I've been talking to my my brother for so long and he ain't listening. What do I got to do? And what happens is we get so bound up. With our brother, our sister, our mom, our dad, our cousin, our co-worker, or whoever it is, that we forget about the 7,000 souls that are coming to the Lord. We get so bound up with our Moby, with our Moby Dick. We get so bound up with this whale and so obsessed to reach this one person, and this one family. And we get so bound up in that that we can't even reach out to somebody else. Our, 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 we're, we're exhausted. I, I've been teaching a Bible study to this person. I've, and I, I invested 12 weeks in that person. Now they won't even answer my phone calls. Why do I even bother? I'm not teaching another Bible study. And our, and our, our hearts are like, I've, I'm, I'm so emotionally invested in this person. But why do they reject me? Why do they reject me? And the Lord says, they have even rejected you. They rejected me. And we get bound up. Yes, Elijah was sent to Ahab. And Ahab, at this point, he's, he's still Ahab. And the people in our lives are still, they might still reject it. But what about the 7,000 that are laid out, weeping? And so here's my question tonight. If your family member never comes back to the Lord, can you rejoice for that person's family member? If it, if, it, if it looks like in your situation it's nothing but death and decay, can you rejoice over the life that's happening over there? Can we rejoice over the 7,000 that are laid out worshiping God? Or are we so bound up with the ones that we can't win, the ones that seemingly are rejecting the Lord, that all we can think about is them? And we've let our Ahabs become our Moby Dick. we become consumed And we don't even know it. You don't even know it. It's like this isn't like something you chose to do. It's not something that we just wake up one day and say, I'm not going to win nobody else. I'm just going to focus on this one person. But no, it's because we are people of relationships. And we've built these relationships with these people. And we want to see them experiencing the love of God, the love of the mercy of God, the grace of God. And we want this for them, but they just seemingly don't want it. So what do we do? What do we do? Do we just keep going after them? Do we just keep pushing at them, and pushing at them, and pushing at them, until they just keep pushing us away? I, 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 we're going to do two literary classics today, I guess, of mice and men. The two brothers, Lenny and George. I think Lenny was the big oaf guy. Or maybe it was George, I don't know. Anyway, he would, in the beginning of the book, he's like squeezed at these rabbits. He squeezed them so hard that they're dying. He wasn't trying to kill them. He just loved them. He loved them so much he just wanted to squeeze them and, and pet them. Amen. And, and, and we, we're not trying to kill our family members. We love them. We love these people in our lives. That's why we're reaching out to them. But how many know sometimes we got to back off a little bit. We got to back off a little bit. We got to let God do his work. That's what we did with the prodigals. We allow God to start doing his work and we backed off a little bit and God and praise God we're seeing that revival. See, can you rejoice over that prodigal that's come back that's not your prodigal? And I'm talking about more than just two minutes in an altar. But next week when you're, in your, when you're struggling, can you rejoice over the ones that are being baptized? When you're struggling in your, in your faith, can you rejoice over some stranger that comes in on Easter Sunday to be baptized in Jesus' name? Is that enough for us spiritually? Is that enough for us through what God is doing? Are we okay with just that? Yeah, it's not your family member. I'm sorry. I love your family member too. But praise God, it's her family, member. Come on, we rejoice with them that rejoice. Come on, we rejoice with them that rejoice. (laughs) No, that's my Ahab. That's my Moby Dick. No, no, that's my Moby Dick. Look, good for you. I'm excited for you. Not really, but I'm excited for you. But mine ain't here. Give thanks to God in all things. All things. Can you be excited for somebody else's revival? Hmm. I didn't... I told myself I wasn't going to go too far with this, so I'm not going to go too far. But we we have campuses that we're launching. Let's just say you're part of a different campus. Would you be excited... If nobody showed up at your church that day and another church had a 1,000 people, would you be excited over over a, a, a report of a revival? You know, we get those mission reports, and I'm guilty of this. Oh, great, for them. But I want to see it here. And I repent of that thinking right now, because it's one kingdom. It's one family of God. It's one body of Christ. Ahab rejected this message time and time again. Elijah was sent to Ahab. It was for Ahab that he troubled Israel. It wasn't wasn't to trouble Israel, it was to trouble Ahab. And Israel responded, but Ahab didn't. And Elijah was just depressed, weary, worn out. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. You know why? Because he missed the revival. He missed it. He missed it. He told Lord, Lord, it's just me. Kill me, I'm just, I'm all by myself here. And I was like, what are you talking about? I got 7,000 in Israel. What are you talking about? You're by yourself. And there's revival happening. And there's people rejoicing and, and, and people dancing in the spirit. And I'm like, man. But no, it's not meant to be that way. It's not meant to be that way. Amen. We, we, can, we can rise up together. We can lift our eyes up together. And we can see that the field is white to the harvest. I'm sorry, it might not be your field. Your crop might not come in today, but I can tell you somebody's crop is coming in. And I want to be a part of that crop. I want to be a part of that revival. I want to be a part of that season of time. I want to be a part of reaching my neighborhood. I want to be a part of reaching my coworkers. I want to be a part of reaching those around me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to rejoice over whoever comes. It doesn't matter what their name is. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter their shape, their color, their creed, their whatever it is. I don't care. I just want to rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over those that are responding to the message of the Lord. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. We got revival. Amen. It's happening. It's happening. if you don't think it's happening, then open your eyes. Get your eyes off Moby Dick. Get your eyes off Ahab. We pray for them. We don't give up on them. Right? We're not giving up on these people. We're not saying good luck. Right? We didn't do that with the prodigals and the prodigals are coming back. If it worked for them, it's going to work for your loved one. Here's here's my question. Do you really think that you love your loved one more than God loves them? (laughs) Do you really think that you want that person saved more than God wants that person saved? He died on the cross for them. What did you do? You made them a cookie. (laughs) You baked them cookies and took them out for lunch. Jesus died on the cross for them. He loves them more than you can ever. He's got more mercy for them than you can ever have. He's got more grace for them than we can ever have. You see, the the beginning of this verse is we talked about the the sowing and the reaping. Sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Anytime, not anytime, but many times the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. It's talking about, it's giving us uh, principles about Evan, uh, winning souls, evangelism, right? The, the, we sow the seed of the word of God, right? We sow the seed of the word of God, and we we plant this seed. And, and Paul said, "I plant in Apollos' waters, but God gives the increase." Right? We understand that the sowing and reaping is 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 us opening our voices, using our voices, opening our mouths, and speaking life into people, and then God, in return, gives the increase. Amen, so sowing and reaping. And, and so you look back in the, in the Old Testament and, they, in, in, and the Lord teaches us the law of, of the harvest, basically. It's a law of, of how to harvest. And, and basically the Israelites were given six years to work the ground. Six years they could plant, six years they could, they could, har- they could reap, they could do, a harvest would come in, they can, they can gather it in. But that seventh year, was to be a year of rest. That seventh year was a year dedicated to the Lord, and they didn't touch it. They couldn't bring in the food. They couldn't um, plant. They couldn't do anything. And, and, and the, the powerful thing about that was then that sixth year, God would give them a double portion that would sustain them through that seventh year. Amen. But they weren't allowed to touch the land in that seventh year. They had to let the land rest. Some of us aren't letting the land rest when we're sowing the seed. Sometimes you just got to let people go a little bit. You've invested in them. You've taught them. You got to let them go. Why? Because there's 7,000 people waiting to hear what you have to say. There are 7,000 people sitting by waiting to hear about the love of God. There's, There's a woman at this moment with a bottle of pills in her lap waiting to hear about the love of God. Teenage suicide is at the highest rates ever. There are teenagers everywhere that need to hear the love of God but we're worn out we're weary spiritually i'm done man i can't keep taking these people out to bible studies and never seeing them again i can't keep calling this person and i don't feel like i should have to chase them around if they know where to, they know where to find me jesus didn't tell them wait he said go he said, wait till you do with power from on high. But then he sent them. Hey, Amen. We can't just sit back and just say, they, they know where we are. They know. If they, if they need help, they know where I'm at. I, I'm done. They need us to be more. The people need us to be more than we are. They're not... More as in power or authority or stature, but just more as in availability. We got 7,000 people laid out worshiping God. They just needed some direction. 7,000 people pouring out their hearts in worship to God. Just need a little direction. But but Ahab, I couldn't win Ahab, so I'm just going to give up. I'm going to stop trying to win souls. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let somebody else take care of it. I'm going to let this one take care of it. They're better at it anyway. Did you know that the highest rate of people bringing in new converts, are new converts. Within your first two years, you win the mo- you win the most amount of souls that you're going to win. Or not that you're going to win, but you you in the first two years, man, if you're a new convert, usually you're bringing in people with you left and right. Was it because you were super knowledgeable? I don't know what to say. Neither does that new convert, but they're bringing somebody. <laughs> Amen. Is this all right? Is this all right? Amen. Amen. And, and so we just can't be weary. We just can't be weary. If, if Brother Greg that got baptized on Sunday got baptized, that's my brother that got baptized. My family member just got baptized. He may not be in my immediate family, but he's in my family. <laughs> Amen, because he's got the blood of Jesus Christ over his life. <laughs> Amen. Amen. we're in a service and three or four people get the Holy Ghost. maybe my, my mom and dad aren't here to get the Holy Ghost, but praise God, my brother and sister, they just got the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 This this message tonight is 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 to get our eyes off the ones that we're not winning and look at what's happening around us. Just look around this room right now, and think about in the last year and a half since COVID. Look, we got tons of new faces, tons of new faces. Thank you. And we got some that aren't here tonight because of travels or whatever. That's awesome. Revival is happening. I'm done praying for revival, as pastor said, because it's happening all around us. Come on, somebody. It's happening right here in this little old church called Harvey. Praise God. People's lives are being touched. The transformational power of the Holy Ghost is at work. We are seeing everything we've been praying for. What do we come to prayer services for? We're praying for to, to see lives touch, lives change. We're praying for these things. What are we praying? We're praying for, for God to extend his kingdom, grow your kingdom. Use us, oh, Lord. And he is. He's using us. He's using you. He's using me. Amen. I pray with people to get the Holy Ghost and it happened. I baptized people in Jesus' name. I pray with somebody and they repented. He's using me in his revival. Oh, it ain't happening here, though. We get our Eeyore spirit on, you know. Oh, it's not happening now. <laughs> it is happening. I don't know. I'm so, I, I keep saying every time I come up, I'm so excited about the direction of this church. Why? Because I see what's happening around us. I see, I see lives being changed. I see backsliders coming back. I see people that are hurt being healed. Oh, but not Ahab, not Ahab, you know. Come on, we got to get excited for what God's doing, you know. Start running around the church, start getting goofy with it. I almost did the mathematics and jumped off this thing right here. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm so pumped up for what God is doing. I am so pumped up for what God is doing. He is doing amazing things. I told you I didn't have anything deep tonight. I'm just trying to remind somebody of how good God is. I didn't tell them ahead of time what to play. I didn't tell you ahead of time what to say. But it's, it's all lining up. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter what you've been through, you can't be separate. God does not, God does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we're seeing it on a daily basis. What an exciting time to be a part of a living church, a live church. Amen. When the Spirit of God just comes in, it just, it just it's so powerful way. We're not in here worshiping inanimate objects. We don't have groves set up to some fake God that can't do nothing for us. But we serve the living God, and he's here, and he's real, and he's tangible, and I can feel him, and he's amazing, and he's changing lives all around me. Why? Because it's his revival. He's already purchased it. He's already purchased their life. He's purchased them with a the price. And all we have to do is just get our eyes off our Rahab and start finding the ones that need it. Find the one that's broken. Oh, I Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we serve a mighty God that's real. He's available. He's not off. He's not taking a nap. Oh, come on. He's not in the middle of a conversation. We don't have to cut ourselves to get his attention. We don't have to do all that. We just got to say, Jesus. Jesus, and he's here. Jesus, and he shows up. Jesus, and he's in the room. Oh, hallelujah. And your problems, whatever they may be, they might be big in your life, but they are minuscule compared to the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Revival is, here. Revival is here. Revival is here. Revival is happening right here. Amen. We're not listening for reports. Oh, I, I wonder what they're going to say happened over there this time. No, it's happening right here. Oh, hallelujah, it's happening right here. Amen. It's happening in this place. And you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. Amen. It it don't get deeper than that, folks. Don't get much deeper than that. That's all I got. Revival is happening. It's available to you in this room. Your family member might not be here, but somebody else's is. You might be going through the darkest time in your life, but somebody in the other room is probably going through the greatest time in your life. Can you rejoice with them? You know, on the flip side, yeah, we 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 weep with those that weep. We do, we do. We weep with those that weep. If you're going through a time, we're weeping with you. Trust me. You might not always feel that way, but we are. But we still have to be able to rejoice with them that rejoice. Amen. And, and, and the quickest way out of your weeping is to get back into rejoicing. The fastest way out of your weeping is to get back to a place of rejoicing. And what better way to rejoice than to rejoice with them that rejoice. We don't have false reports we have to worry about. We have real, tangible things happening in the power of God. Amen. 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 I don't got much more, I'm telling you. But Ahab consumed Elijah to the point of weariness. Who is your Ahab? I, I don't think I brought him over. I wasn't going to do it, but I think I'm going to do it. Could you send somebody over? Thank you. I'm not going to embarrass her, but she's awesome. I wasn't going to do it. I was kind of feeling it out, but I, th- I feel to do this. We're going to do the same thing that we did with those prodigals. And she's getting some pads of paper and some pens. And in a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to have you guys stand. We're going to pray. And un- undoubtedly, at some point in this message, you thought about somebody. That's possibly your Ahab. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're not forgetting about our family member. We're not forgetting about our loved one. We're not forgetting about our coworker but we're allowing the land to rest. We're going to allow that land to rest and we're going to pray and we're going to turn it over to God and we're going to believe God for the revival of that soul. And then we're going to fix our eyes on the harvest. Amen. We are going to fix our eyes on the harvest and we are going to Again, we're not going to pray for laborers because we are the laborers. But we're going to pray that God would send us. So that's two things we're going to pray for. One, first, we're going to pray for that soul. We're going to dedicate it. We're going to surrender that person to God. We're going put it up here on the altar. And then we're going to pray, send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. I am A laborer. I will be the one. Amen. Stand with me. Amen. If you would just close your eyes and start to think about that one, two, maybe three. Amen. Think about those ones that you've been investing so much spiritual energy into. And you haven't seen much result. And I want you to begin to pray. Lift your voices. Begin to pray. And just dedicate that person or those people to God. That's it. You got to lift your voice. I can't pray for you. I don't know your loved ones. I don't know your Ahab. As soon as you got that name, as soon as you feel that prayer has moved, As soon as you feel like you've dedicated that person to the Lord, I want you to come up, write their name down on these pieces of paper, and stick the name in the jar. And as soon as you do that, I want you to pray that you be sent into the harvest.